Welcome to Titas and Tea. I have a fantastic guest with me today, all dolled up with an amazing uh, towel wrap on her head, <laughs> as I can see through video. Um, you know, before I give it away, I just want to say that I think they're super cool. They did my my birth uh, my birth chart, and I got dragged and read for filth. Um, it's really helped me grow in the last few months. So you know, if you need a reading. This girl does everything, literally, like, you don't even know what you're about to experience and listen to tonight, like, guys. Alrighty, Annie Brokenhurst Shack is an, ama- as an emerging and amazing creative producer <laughs> and curator of, of Filipina, I know, I really saved that, <laughs> curator of Filipina and European heritage, working on unceded Gadigal land. Working across multiple art forms, her practice engages with themes surrounding identity development and post-colonial models of creativity and collaboration. She's the participant of Playwrights of Parramatta with the National Theatre of Parramatta, Sweatshop, Literacy Movement, Storycasters for Diversity Arts Australia, Women in Film and TV, um, Mentor Her Program, and Sport for <laughs> Ghost Producer Mentorship. Oh, is that how you met Rizal? Because I noticed that was also in her bio when I read it out. We're we're back to back. We are in the industry today. Um, <laughs> she has pitched and received a thirst play. Uh, thirst. Ooh, my mind <laughs> received third place for ICE's project Greenlight. Recent roles have included working as a curatorial intern slash exhibition exhibitions assistant for the twenty second Biennale of Sydney titled Niren and the Kudos Gallery Grants Committee. Can I just say I almost really started on Biennale because for a long time I was pronouncing it Biennale. Yeah, but there's, there's like there's a whole section as well that like depending on how it's spelled, like it can be Biennale. Um, oh, so okay. it's okay. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I was thinking I was so uncultured because I'd be like I never like said it out loud and I always like was waiting for someone to actually say Biennale one time and then I was like oh thank god I didn't want to say that word out loud anyway um, (laughs) she is currently co-producing a Filipinx writers room an initiative funded uh, by Create New South Wales and is completing her master's in curating and cultural leadership without further ado we have Annie on the podcast hey what up how you going Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you're on here. So a little background: I actually met Annie through the Philippine Writers Group, and prior to that, I literally never we had never met before. Mm-hmm. I know. Right? Yeah, strange. Yeah. Like Filipino community is like so small, and yet, yeah, this is like the first time like I've come across you. So better better late than never. Better late than never. But I, I was always really surprised about like with the writers room they're in. Um, so I think in the podcast before uh, Rizal brought up the Philippine Writers Group and, you you know, it's coming up again. Um, Miranda's also part of it. So a lot of people uh, in this season we've I've been talking to are part of the Writers Group, which is amazing because I was like, you know what? Everyone is so talented and so cool. We should I should just get everyone together. We can talk about what we do. So, yeah, it was it was a really nice opportunity to kind of just reach out and meet other people like yourself and get to know everybody in, in their arts and, and what they do. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> can you, can you, can you tell, can you tell that like I copied and pasted like parts of like Rizal's bio? <laughs> <laughs> 
I was gonna be like, oh my god, the synchronicity under this full moon. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, I was, I was like, wow, Leo season is working hard. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> like the thing is, um, like I, I, I mentioned to Rizal the other day. I'm just like, I'm, um, because we got the spot for Joe, um mentorship like literally like what last week or something and I mentioned to her that like we're a um dual pack essentially you can't have one without the other so oh cool yeah so you need at least two Filipinos in like your programs regardless and they should put that at all all diversity quotas at least <laughs> at least, least two Filipino least. people <laughs> Otherwise, you're racist and problematic. Jot that down. We're gonna cancel you. I remember, like, I think, I think I remember. Um, I I met Rizzo like what it was. We did like a acting workshop or something like last year. Um, and that's sort of how I met her. And then yeah, things sort of escalated from there. Yeah. Well, it's. I think we've. Um, I think both of you guys come from uh theater backgrounds, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think in the, in the world of arts, theater is quite a close knit community. I've found out. Like, and I think I'm just someone that's kind of coming into that. Really interesting people in the theater world who aren't just obviously in theater; they do other really cool things as well. So I guess I wanted to talk to you about your creative work and what you do. Oh, I hear that in the phone in the background. Who's calling? <laughs> yeah, a gentleman like- caller. Uh, no, man. It's probably for my mom. It's probably one of my um, my titas. The real tita, and she's about to have the tea. Exactly, exactly. You know it. You know it. <laughs> the tita, I say hey. <laughs> um, I'll get we'll get the chisness from her later. I'm sure. We'll hear it in the background, and I feel like it'll just add ambiance to exactly, um, exactly. this <laughs> this situation. It'll feel really real, you know. This wasn't <laughs> staged at all. This is just no. being Filipino, exactly, you know? and just like listening in on the tape. Yeah, like if you're not recording and you don't hear your mom answer the phone and talk loudly to your siblings in the Philippines, are you even <laughs> in a Filipino household? I don't think. I don't think you are. I, d- I don't. I, I think that's the new criteria. For um for being <laughs> we can keep going though it's fine. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> Did you ever were you ever like waking up like was your sleep ever interrupted as a child like because of the phone or because of like your mom talking loudly? Yes, but also my mom had this like belief. And I think my dad had it as well that like the waking up somebody was considered super rude. So we, they never directly woke me up, at whatever. They would make a fuck ton of noise. So it would, <laughs> yeah. yeah it would, so if they wanted me to wake up at six in the morning, they would like turn the kettle on and then like make coffee super loud. And now I think about it in hindsight and that doesn't even make sense because like, what are you hitting? But they would just like start banging shit and like opening the door super loud or like oh putting God. things down super loud. And that's how you would wake up. And I remember asking my mom about it and she's just like, it's, just really rude to wake someone when they're sleeping so the alternative is just making a fuck ton of noise and hope they wake up <laughs> oh my god your mom your mom is great your mom's got like good stuff like my mom would just like walk in and just be like oi wake up like 
Um, are you awake? And then she turned on my light and I'm like, and then walk out. And then like five minutes later, she would be like, are you awake yet? Um, or, or she'd be like, food, come on, you know it. And I'm just like, yes, but I'm sleeping. <laughs> or she'd like come in with the phone and just be like, here, talk to your, t- talk to your teacher. And I'm just like, oh, I'm still sleeping. <laughs> And you just feel like I missed that. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember, I remember on like my aunt. Um, it was like someone's birthday or something, and then, um, my teacher was on the phone and like FaceTiming me, and she's and I was like still sleeping. Um, and like, um, mom walked in with the phone and was like, "Hey, can you talk to um your teacher?" Um, and I'm like. I'm asleep, but okay, I'll try. Like, because you have <laughs> you have no choice in this situation. <laughs> you have no say. Um, and and then it just like spiraled into like an entire conversation of just like, oh, so what are you gonna be when you grow up? Uh, <laughs> uh, are you gonna you want to be like Miss Philippines? Yeah, you want to like be a beauty pageant queen? And I'm like, can I just go back? I just, I don't, she's like yeah you, you, how about you like come to the Philippines and like study to become a doctora and I'm just like look it's either like doctora or like beauty pageant like there's no <laughs> there was no in between oh gosh you it was like there wasn't even like you could be both it was like one or the other like yeah that's exactly. it. yeah yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> We became more, you know, than um, a doctora or a nurse or a beauty pageant queen, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we became creatives. Exactly. I I found out, like, when I was growing up that my mom actually wanted to be an extra, like, in a film. Like, she wanted to be an actor, like, an extra's actor. Yeah, also, like, not, like, a mainstream actor, just, like, the person in the background, just, like, being super extra. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. you're an extra but then you're just like really exaggerating your facial and like expressions exactly, and like exactly. your body movements yeah. so when I told her that I was like I'm gonna become an actor she's like oh you're pursuing the dreams that I never pursued and I'm just like oh thanks mom cool <laughs> that's a lot of pressure yes yeah, a lot of pressure <laughs> my dreams and your dreams on my back <laughs> let's rediscuss let's let's debrief um but yay we get to talk about carrying your dreams in your mom's dreams so do you want to talk about the first creative work you remember and then your mom's the first the the first creative work that I did or like that I like I encountered the the one that you did that you were like like no matter at whatever age that you're like oh this is this is art and I enjoy her um I remember I was in high school and I actually wrote a play um for a short festival short play festival and um it managed to like get into the finals as well it was about like Munchausen by proxy <laughs> to be honest um and for those who aren't who are playing along at home on Charles and by Proxy is one of those um it's not classified as an actual like there's still dispute of whether or not it's classified as an actual condition or not um but it's like essentially um the caretaker is purposely making the person they're in charge in um in charge of sick or like, oh yeah like my syndrome yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um 
yeah and it was all about that and then um so that was fun um (laughs) just casual (laughs) just casual how did how did you come up with the story um I think I remember like reading a book or like just I don't know it was around the time when like child abuse was like a thing (laughs) um like it, it was like I was growing out of like that um angsty phase of just like constantly blaming like your parents and everything um but also like questioning that as well and just being like oh to what extent have they fucked me up casually just casually and um a lot of the um most popular books at the time were like um, like a child could eat and sickened and all that stuff, and so everyone. Was oh, like, so it's the, the, thematically, it was kind of like yeah, the, yeah. the trend. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just like, oh, this like this is an interesting sort of like concept to sort of work with. And then, yeah, I just just ended up writing about it, and then um, my drama teacher was just like, oh, look, she can write. And then like she was, she showed it to the principal, and she's like. Um, the, the students can write um, and I'm just like oh okay how am I gonna like cue like the existential crisis from then on of just being like how do I replicate success <laughs> <laughs> how old were you when you first wrote that I, I think I was like what 16 or something 16 17 oh, nice. um, yeah um, and then like we performed it as well and then um, my parents, my parents went and came and saw it. Um, and on the way home, my mum was like, "So, um, <laughs> do you want to talk about that?" <laughs> She's like, "You clearly want to become independent, but you can't be independent." Um, <laughs> and it was like essentially psychoanalyzing the entire play, and I'm just like, it wasn't about that, but okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah, and so I'm just like, um, I don't think I can invite you to like anything else that I make. Um, oh no. For a while. For a while. Yeah, I think like, yeah, that was just like, but I think that was also just a phase as well. So I clearly got over it, but I haven't actually made creative work that I felt compelled to show her as well. So, but maybe like with, um, with plant papers, for example, that might, that obviously has yeah. changed because she's technically a part of it. Do you, do you actually want to talk to everyone about plantitas? Because I think it's a fantastic idea. So that was what you got third placed yeah. uh, for the ICE project Greenlight, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's essentially, the idea is, or the premise is that it's going to be like a documentary web series sort of thing. Um, and like a six by six minutes. Thing. and we're essentially just learning how to learning some plant skills because all the um all the like there's not really any tv shows or any like yeah there's not really any tv shows de- dedicated to like gardening besides gardening australia or like but they're they're more targeted for like older demographics yeah like landscaping ones exactly like- or just like the yeah or like the what DIY home adventure thing and look. <laughs> um, I just want to specify like solely on plants and gardening um, and learning about them. And then also like swapping stories with my mom and with the titas as well. Because essentially how that came about was 
I was like, oh, um, I need to pitch a story. What do I know? What do I know? And I always, um, my mum always goes around to other people, her friends' places and like swaps plants. And it's just like this import-export Filipino trade. Um, so it's just cute. like plants. It's great. It's great. And so you end up like building community. You end up like with like a fuck ton of plants. And then, um, yeah, and then it's just like you're you're learning to be resourceful and like you're also learning about like every everyone's like personal stories along the way as well. So pretty cool. So that's in early development. So once things quiet me down, I can like start to focus on that and hopefully get the ball rolling with that. So but yeah. Nice. What do you hope to kind of get out of that in terms of wider community so like I think it's so great in terms of like having something that's like close with your mom because like I remember I couldn't really do any gardening or planting with my mom because she literally would kill everything that she touched <laughs> my uncle was like a fantastic gardener and our garden was always really fan- like amazing when he was like living in the house and stuff but when my mom like tried to take over like homegirl killed like the chili the calamance like everything that she- <laughs> Do you want my mom to come over and like she'll she'll teach your mom some gardening skills? Yes, just fix my mom's like absolutely like awful green thumbs at this point. She's wow. she's not a fantastic um planter. But I think neither was neither was I. I think it took me a while to figure it out. And you know, like when the whole when I moved into my current apartment like a year ago. Mm. A year ago now, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll get some decorative plants. And I only had two because my peace lily kept like wilting and I couldn't figure it out. And it took forever for me to figure out like how to look after like certain plants, the different things that they need. And that was just kind of like a thing that I did by myself. And that was Mm -hmm. kind of sad. And also people on Instagram don't tell you when their plants are dying. They only like post it when their plants like look super lush and green. And you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I can't even keep the cactus alive. You know what I mean? So I think like it would have been really great to have something like plantitas that was like, mm-hmm. hey, here's some way that you can actually like practical ways of looking after exactly. your plant and stuff. And also like here's some cultural things that you might not know. Because like I remember growing up, like we had taro in the in the backyard. Um we had Amazing. chocos and stuff. And I hate every... chocos. Kudos to like I like I love chocos. I can't cook them myself. I tried once and it was disgusting. Like genuinely (laughs) the grossest thing I've ever put in my mouth. And I ended up chucking it and I felt really bad because my little sister was like, hey, look what we grew. And like gave me some chocos and dropped it a couple weeks ago. And I just like straight up didn't eat it. And it kind of was really gross. Maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just like cooking them not right. But maybe that's my issue. (laughs) That's the next installment of plant titas. Cooking titas. (laughs) Here for it, here for it. Because like my mom, like um, growing up, my mom was always like, I don't know how to cook. I just like throw stuff into a pan and hope for the best. And I'm just like, oh my god. She's just guided by the ancestors. But everyone was like, oh my god, your mom's food tastes so good. And I'm just like, she doesn't. She says she doesn't know how to cook. And like they like, really like freaked me out for like the longest time. Um, yeah <laughs> and so I'm just like so when I cook she's like oh my god this tastes amazing and I'm just like I'm just hoping for the best as well I don't know how to do yeah. anything because <laughs> you didn't teach me anything <sighs> I feel this like my mom didn't teach me how to cook either I kind of like learned from 
there are recipes online that are surprisingly really good. Like I, I've kind of figured out my my adobo recipe, Amazing. like based on the ingredients online, and then like what my my dad does, he adds uh, pineapples to Whoa. his adobo. Yeah, try it. It's it's everybody listening to this. Throw some pineapples in your adobo. Life changing. Like straight up, it's life changing. Um, so that's like that's what I is my like family thing. Most of the things in adobo is pretty easy, but chucking the pineapples that's that's the Demilla recipe. Jot that down. Um, but then like kara kara was like the only meal that my mom actually besides just Gang, that was like life changing for me. But then I was like, I'm gonna figure out how to do this by myself and cook myself my own kara kara, and it was so good. Like mm. I just felt like I was inhaling my food. And it was bad, but it was really good. So there's some really great recipes around, even like yeah, for like cultural exactly. stuff. Exactly. But um, thank so God like, for the internet. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um. So with your work, actually, you know what I'm finding? Just side note, I, I every time like I'm like trying to ask people questions, I'm like, "What do you do? Like, tell me about your work." Everyone's like, "Haha!" We'll just like go into this tangent, so I don't have to talk about it. Always here for a sidestep. I feel like my I feel like my life or even like my creative practice is one big sidestep. Um TBH. Yeah, because I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna be I remember like leaving school and being like, Yeah, I wanna be an actor, I wanna like be on stage or be on screen and just like live that actor life and then like yeah, that's not really been a thing to be honest. But um I remember like finishing up like a part time acting course and being like, Fuck, I can't do this anymore I feel like more productive behind the scenes and then I went um I went to like freelance stage manager exactly um and do that for a little bit and but then I was also like yeah this is fun but is it really fulfilling creatively like I know how to logistically get stuff done but then it's also like when you're doing independent theater as well it's a little thankless on my like you're getting paid you're like the first one in last one out sort of thing so I was like oh cool so okay maybe I'll just take a break from theater for the meantime and so I just ended up like working retail for a period of time and then I was like fuck this I need to get back to studying because like my brain needs to actually be motivated um and then I was like oh um what what am but what am I going to study like <laughs> I don't know. At first, I really wanted to do linguistics. Uh, I will come later. Thank you. Hi, Tita. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your mom I said como esta. Hey, mom. Um, do you want to say hi? This is Gloria. Como esta, pa? That's good. Hang on, let me see if oh, I can. <laughs> I don't know if she can hear you at the moment. <laughs> Hey guys, so we ran into some technical difficulties recording this episode, so we lost the audio unfortunately, and we are recording online remotely, so I do apologize that we've missed out important parts of this segment. We will, however, skip ahead to the discussion bit, and sorry again for the technical difficulties, but we were unable to recover that audio, so... Welcome to the discussion part of Tita's and Tea. We're going to chat about Philippine mythologies and their origins and the stuff that we found interesting, but more importantly, in relation to uh, colorism 
and what those stories can tell us about that. So Annie, did you want to kick off your discussion? Yeah, I like, okay, so preface on my end, I've, I've never really grown up with any Filipino mythology to begin with. And so part of me um, now has just been like, oh, I would really like to learn more about um, what that looked like and the stories um, were told. Because, like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I know for me it's just been, like, Catholicism and Catholic guilt and that shit has done a number on me and I'm <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with that. Um, and so, like... I I ended up getting um getting like a book um regarding Filipino mythology and started reading it and then like I'm not even halfway through um to be honest um because assignments get in the way and <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> um but like I found I had to like put it down a couple of times because I'm just like oh oh okay like I was just curious about the wording about in some of the stories um yeah like um bear with me I'm gonna like butcher all the names um because my pronunciation is terrible but there's like a there's a creation story that I I found out recently that that there was this god um deity who went to I think his name's Kabanyan Kabunyan Kabunyan yeah and went to like Mount Pulog to um essentially decide that he wanted to like build humans um so they could cultivate like the hillsides and the valleys and all of that for him and so yeah um so it was evening when he finished like the first model and the dark hue of the night sank deep into like the the skin of the clay um and that's the reason it became like the clay man figure became dark and mm. uh Kabunyan was like it's bad like the wording in the <laughs> wording in this is literally like it's bad um and like like, like, quote, unquote, it's bad, Kabunya muttered disappointedly. I'll wait for the, the morrow to fashion a better one. And I'm just like, what? What? Huh? Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, let's keep reading. Um, and then, so um, Kabunya retired, leaves his, like, first model to get darker and darker as the, went, as the night went, like, deeper and deeper. And then early before dawn the following day, he woke up um, and then eager to finish his task and to see what, like, the second model would be, he instantly, like, set to work. And even when it was still a little dark, um, and then he finished his second model just as dawn was gathering a little more light in the east. And so the, the pale reflection of the approaching morning struck the um struck the clay man thing and it became white and so that's how um that's how like the first man became white and but then he was like Kabunyan was like this isn't good either um and he was like shaking his head and so took another handful of clay and um was like this time my skill won't fail me 
And like now the sun was like higher across this clear blue sky. He's like sweating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly building, building like this clay until it was um, finished. And then um, in the middle of the day, like let um, he placed his third model in the sunlight to dry. And then, and then he went to sleep and then woke up and it was like a perfectly little brown fellow, essentially. And, and, so that's, and so that's how like the first like black, like black model came to be like the father of all black people. The white one became the ancestor of all white men. The brown one became like the first of like the brown race. And so, yeah, I was just reading that and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah it's interesting because like one with like the clay stories and stuff like a lot of ancient greek and um roman stuff are like oh we made things out of clay breath of life you know um and it's interesting then in i guess the filipino version of that creation myth is just like okay so black and brown like black and white people that's fine. That's cute and all, but brown people though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, I, I think about like, like growing up and all that stuff of just like, oh, you have to like get out of the sun because you don't want to be. Yeah. Drunk. And yeah. And how that, how these stories sort of like perpetuate to become sort of lifestyle essentially. Um, I think it's interesting with this story because it's gone like, I also think translation is um is a maybe a thing there because I'm like ah oh, there isn't really like a one translation for for exactly. bad I exactly. guess yeah and then and all that kind of stuff so I guess we'd have to probably have a look at that too but I I find it interesting that there's this whole like oh like you're out in the sun and you think of the Philippines is it's a very tropical island and stuff. So that it being like the perfect colored skin color to be is like where the skin can hit your skin. So I think there's an undertone of that, which I think is attempting to describe why there's a relation to that, which I think is cool. Yeah. Um, but interpreted in a modern context, like yeah, colorism is really rampant in Asia and particularly in the Philippines to denote like class and like cultural background all that kind of stuff so we see that in play in different ways and I also think that with colonialism as in particular Spanish colonialism and American colonialism we see colorism more entrenched or kind of mixed in with cultural beliefs so with the point on skin color I was looking up origins of Encanto and Encanto comes from the Spanish Encanto so we just added a, a G, a GK. <laughs> We're like Encanto. We don't like that. It's Encanto. Anyway, and it kind of became the umbrella term for environmental environmental spirit. So like when you get to like you're out in the bush and you're like, what's that sound? Environmental spirit. That tree. Environment spirit. All Encanto. So it kind of just became this umbrella term for like your elves, your dwarves, your trolls, all the kind of stuff. Sometimes spirit of your ancestors also came under the umbrella Encanto. Um, because it would take human form and all that kind of stuff. And then so traditionally they could be like any shape, mm. color, or size, like all colors of rainbow if they wanted to be. Um, but there's a whole popularization of like white encanto, right? And there was this belief that like they started taking the form of white people, 
like deities of otherworldly deities started taking the form of like tall people with blonde hair and blue eyes and these were deities and stuff like that and they were like sacred deities and it's interesting that kind of belief system also coincided with the arrival of the spanish um because the word for encanto also like encaptures the word for apparition or enchantment so it's interesting that after a while like with colonialism we see this emphasis on white skin and as being something that is like desirable or otherworldly or something that becomes tied with Encanto, which is something that can be sacred or ancestral. And I think that's where we forget that a lot of different indigenous societies have stories very similar to this. Like if you look at indigenous Australians and how they thought that the first Europeans were ghosts, um, same with native Americans and stuff like that, that there's this whole thing of like, they didn't think they were, like people because they're often people of color like as the <laughs> yeah. word denotes we're out in the sun they have brown skin black skin whatever and stuff and then all of a sudden they see white people and they're like what is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know, I know her we don't know her and and then you end up having this like duality of like Encanto coinciding with image of like white Jesus in Christianity. So we go from, I guess, this harmless, I, I don't want to say harmless, maybe that's like a reach, but the story of like, hey, this is why we have brown skin. This is why we have brown people and stuff and good, bad or not good enough, whatever. Let's leave that to uh, Kabunyan and whatever he feels. Yeah, that's, that's him and his claim making. But, you know, as... As, as one thing and then having that as a whole historical a, a, a part of a historical change yeah. to being like actually whiteness is more desirable because it is now what your gods look like and now yeah. you know we kind of have less emphasis on these older creation myths or pre-colonial creation myths to one of just like predominantly white jesus and christianity exactly yeah did you ever know of any other stories of Encanto besides the ones that take human form? Or is this like the first you're hearing of it? I think this is like the first that I'm hearing of it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I feel quite sheltered in terms of mythology. So, mm. or Filipino mythology. Um, so, always happy to learn some more. There are like thousands, thousands of gods. I know. There's a lot. Yeah, it's really cool. I think, like, when I was trying to learn what pre-colonial beliefs look like um, and stuff, there was a lot of influence coming through with China and India with their um, multiple deities and gods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of brought, was brought into the Philippines. And then you have, like, different cultures and language groups having their own Sorry, you have a lot of different ethno-linguistic groups yeah. having their own creation stories and having their own beliefs um, of where they come from and how they were kind of came into being. Yeah. And I think that's what I find really beautiful in the Philippines is that, you know, that's just one of many yeah. creation stories because, you know. Yeah, there's a man city, yeah. Yeah, and there's like the Tagalog creator god, which is Patala. And so like in that genesis of the Tagalog people, it's like, he everything he did everything we don't know this clay man yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and I think that's what I love about the Philippines is that like everyone kind of had their own space to understand where they came from depending on the island they came from and their surrounding like neighbors and stuff 
I like that that the deities also there there was like a connection with like the family, like the human families as well. And so technically there's a lineage, um, mm. which I find interesting. And I think that makes um, in some way more accessible, more of just like, oh, this isn't just mythology. This is actual history um, yeah. in some way, which I think is quite refreshing. And I think it's quite, it makes it, yeah, more me- meaningful of wanting to, sort of reclaim that sort of past or um understand it more did you have like any superstitions that your mom told you like that were filipino hey mom because i think i think the myth (laughs) i think the myths are like one thing because it's like they're so specific to where you're from and whether you still believe them or been told them but i think they're also like an offshoot of like super like superstitions are an offshoot of these mythologies, yeah. right? So like the whole like my mom used to tell me about the capre, which lived in a balete tree and stuff. And then that obviously if you think about the history of certain trees in, in the Philippines, some trees are more are more considered more sacred than others, the balete being one of them and stuff like that. And, you know, how there's people that believe that there are spirits in the trees and stuff like that. Did you ever, did your mom ever like give you like, oh, don't go to that tree and stuff like that? I don't think so. I think my mom, like, she's not superstitious particularly. Like, it was, like, her brother that was more superstitious from memory um, and believed in, like, the Aswang and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't I don't think so. Not, yeah, not particularly. I, like, I wish there was more. I sort of, because I love that, like, when I was a kid, I was always um at lunchtime at recess I was like with a group of friends being like oh um sort of like sitting down like looking at like the trees in the courtyard and just being like remember our past lives remember how we like (laughs) you were that creepy kid (laughs) I remember like we were like connected to this tree and stuff like that and like that (laughs) random like yeah that was that was how I spent like my recesses in like when I was like what seven years old or something vivid imagination yeah exactly so I I think I would have like would have yeah I would have loved uh more superstitious stuff like that I think for me I sort of grew up across a couple of households um Mm. and I remember like my friends my neighbors were they they were Muslim um and we were all like I think I'm like so I remember more in regards to that as opposed to the Filipino aspect oh yeah so like the gin and stuff and all the kind of yeah um but I remember at some point like um some someone's mom either like my friend's mom or my mom were, were like if you get a tattoo that part of you is going to hell. And I'm just like. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, That's so wild. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, cool. Was she Filipino? Um, I think so. Um, See, that's interesting. I feel like that would have been a passed down thing because like at some point, right, there was like most many Filipino cultures had tattooing. Exactly. And it was considered if you had a tattoo, it was like your way of like 
you would take it with you in the afterlife and stuff like yeah. that um and then obviously Catholicism and they're like that's evil <laughs> exactly. I think that's why I think that's yeah essentially just inherited inherited from like the Catholicism aspect of it and just being like sort of twisted of just like if you get a tattoo shit's gonna go down um and so like I remember just like looking at my body and being like what part of me would I like to go to hell um <laughs> Just the finger, just <laughs> just one finger. Just one finger. <laughs> and so, like, I I remember, like, when I when I did get my first tattoo, I'm just like, part part of me is going to go to hell. But then I also had to be like, no, it's not. Like, no, it's not. It's not. It's really not. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I, I I think your soul is fine. Like, I'm not. I'm not someone that's going to weigh your spirit against like a feather and then, you know, like, you know what I mean? I'm not, yeah. But I think you're fine. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, yeah. Did you ever hear about like the mumu or like muto or like your mom be like when you're a kid and just be like, hey, me mumu jan, waka jan, no? I think so. Maybe I like block intentionally like blocked it out of memory. <laughs> my mom used to do these really annoying things. Like if she wanted us to do something or like not go th- somewhere, it'd be like, don't go there. There's a ghost. And so it would constantly just be like, Jan. and then like, it's just like this kind of cute thing. Like when I hear other kids do it to other kids, I'm like, that's a little manipulative. Wow. Yeah. But also you could be right. Like who knows? Like what if you what if this little kid has a gift and then it's like straight up like they're just, yeah. I'm looking at denial. Because that actually happened once. I had a family friend, um, they're Filipino, Filipino family. Their kid had like this gift of like sight and she could like straight up see ghosts and stuff. But no one or no one in her immediate family had it. Um, but it was like one of her one of their relatives. It was like in her bloodline is she could see ghosts. And her mom would be like, it creeps me out every single day. <laughs> Because when she would be like, because you know when you're um when you're a parent, you don't want your kids to do, you don't want them yeah. to be annoying and wander yeah. off, and you're like, my mumujan wag, wag stop, you know. But then her kid would literally be like, oh no, yeah, there is. And <laughs> would straight up like describe the ones in the house and stuff, and she would straight up just be like, mm, there is. So I can't play that card. Like you couldn't even like fake care your like fake scare your kids into like believing like undoing something you know what I mean yeah yeah my mom had a few like stories like the mumu always got me and then the aswang and the mananga were like less convincing because I was like one is a weird kind of bat creature and then one like rips its torso in half and flies into the night like (laughs) not convincing um but what the the white lady and stuff would get me, the mumu would get me. Um, that stuff was scary. And but like everything else, I was just kind of like cool. pretty chill. Cause my mom used to tell me the story because she was like, I guess it was kind of like the province back in the day, but she told me that when she was pregnant with me, my I don't know if it was with my siblings as well, but like with with me in particular, she said that like when you're pregnant, they believe that this creature called the dick dick. Mm comes and has like this long tongue and see I hate that I I wish I never saw venom because every time (laughs) I just think of that tongue anyway and it like it finds like pregnant women and then sucks the life force out of the baby and to trick it um from instead of like eating your baby like your 
fetus um you have to like give this this offering and you like put it in the corner of your room so it's like haha you thought that was my kid but here's like a bowl of rice (laughs) (laughs) and something else like yeah so those were some stories i remember i remember hearing about that um and i think i think it's interesting as well how those sorts of um things overlap with like potentially trying to explain what like sort of occurrences in um in life like for example miscarriages and whatnot and um yeah just as a means to shift blame away from just the <laughs> from this from the woman or whatever um yeah and how that sort of like how that's a means of just coming to terms with life um but then like equal parts there's they're probably also real at the same time so I'm just like I don't want to like just like yeah it's equal parts like um an explanation but also reality yeah legit and stuff and I think that it's interesting like when I go back to the Philippines um and most people in my family like have converted to Christianity and stuff like that and while they still retain those beliefs they still retain a lot of their local beliefs and stuff like that so like I remember the first time I was there I was like 11 and my grandma didn't want me to leave the house because apparently an aswang had been spotted in the cemetery and she was like you can't go outside because it'll get you and I was like (laughs) haha <laughs> that's so funny nanai like you're you're hilarious <laughs> i was like so we're we gonna go to the computer shop and play video games and then my cousin and my grandma were like no you're staying in the house and it was like serious like they yeah. literally went from like no like it's dangerous and I was like, it's dangerous wow. <laughs> yeah and like i remember i was oh this is really fucked up so like <sighs> Tell her. I hate I hate knowing it in hindsight now. So when I was 13 or 14, we went back to the Philippines and it was during Typhoon Undoy. Mm. And at that time, my grandma didn't have like uh, a second story to the house because she hadn't built it yet. So it was like one yeah. story. Obviously, the house was flooded. So you had to go to the neighbors, which is right across the road. Literally, like the whole street was flooded at this point, And we had to like make our way across to the neighbors that had a second story. And I remember I like, I like didn't want to. So the whole bottom floor was, we're all at the top floor. It was like 20 people in this tiny, tiny space. And the floor beneath us was completely flooded. But we all obviously needed to pee and the bathroom was downstairs. So obviously we're just like peeing on the staircase and stuff. And I was like, me and my older sister were like scared shitless. And for some reason, like, we could not go by ourselves. Like, we, there was, we were just frightened about like that downstairs, like that back area and stuff. And eventually, like, we went and we peed, whatever never repressed that memory from mine because I was like that was really terrifying and like what was gonna happen like I just needed to be like wasn't that deep bitch a year ago two years ago I was gonna talk to my grandma and you know she sometimes like shares things about her life blah 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 and me and my cousin we know that we have some sort of like gift um he sees like straight up ghosts and shit and like encanto Mm. And they they got us one time. That is, I'll tell that after. Yeah, so we'll get to that. Um, Anyway, and so we were talking about being like, oh, we didn't know anyone else in the family that has it. So I don't know why both me and him have it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, And then my grandma was like, oh, no, I can see ghosts. And I was like, 
you never told any of your grandchildren, nobody in the family, because there's a bunch of us that like see shit and hear shit. And now we're thinking we're going crazy. But no, like our grandma has it. So of course we have it. And then my older sister also has it. Um, yeah, and she didn't know until she was like saying, so one of the rooms in the house I grew up in, I used to sleep in this room by myself and stuff. And I used to like be terrified of this room and I used to have night terrors. And I, I generally thought like there was, I thought it was like I had childhood trauma and I just couldn't sleep in a bed alone. End of last year, my sister was like, oh no, that, that room's haunted. And I was like, what? So my bitch ass was like to my therapist, I have had night terror since I was 12 and I couldn't go to sleep by myself. No, bitch, the room was haunted. Okay, bitch. Yeah, so we, I went, I end up getting conversa- confirmation from my grandmother that we have some sort of gift in the, in the family. My older sister has it, I have it. My little sister doesn't. Because the test is where in grandma's house are you scared of? And if you can say the exact locations, then you know. But if you can't, then you don't know. Um, context, uh, four members of my family died in my grandma's house. And so I know, like, where. And I didn't know that there were four people. I thought it was just my grandfather. But there was, like, one room and one area that I was like, I I will not go back there and stuff. My cousin will do the same. And my older sister will do the same. But my little sister is like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Has no idea. Um... So yeah, and uh, so back to the story of this flood. So that house that we were in, um, there was like the story with that was that they can't rent that apartment. So right behind that house, right? Mm. Um, There was an incident where like someone had like died in the house Mm. and it was like haunted, but like people kept seeing this like really like evil spirit there or whatever. Mm. And so people had like committed suicide. And we couldn't tell you, like, why when we were kids, like, that, like, something was super terrifying at the back of the house and we couldn't identify it. We, we just thought we were scared because we were, like, children. Um, and then when I got confirmation, I was like, I thought I was going crazy, but I was just 11 being like, I don't know, I'm just, like, holding my pee and I just, you know, and blah, 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 it's fine. And then, like, two years ago, my grandma was like, no, no, like, no one in this, like, neighborhood will live there or go there or visit there or, like, work as a maid there, nothing. Like, will not go into that house. And it's, like, almost near impossible to rent out. And they only rent it out to people that don't know, but that, like, mm. the area. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, so, like, crazy superstitions. I also think, like, it's kind of, like, taboo to talk about it because I think in a Christian Philippines, it's, like, it's, like, not a good gift to have if you can see these things. But um, it happens. I think people don't want to talk about it and stuff. But I think it's interesting when people do because then it kind of is, like, this breath of, like, oh, okay, this is fine. But I find that with Filipino people I've met, it's usually, like, within their bloodline so someone will have it and then they'll all just have this one gift or like multiple iterations of it do you have like something similar like do you have like those kinds of stories well my mom doesn't (laughs) hey mom she's gonna tell you and you're you're about to find out mom um could you come here for a moment (laughs) we're getting a real tita we're talking about like Um, we're talking about um, superstitions and um, like ghost stories and like like stuff inherited within like the bloodline and whatnot of just like gifts of I don't know you can call them gifts or you can call them something else if you want but um, do you want to explain better? Um, like kind of like um, 
seeing like uh, people who see like spirits and stuff like multo or like all that kind of things do you know anything like that or like the aswang manenegal <laughs> i heard a lot from my my relatives about it and uh, i was just wondering whether it is really true because when ikbalang you know it's like a, ho- a horse it's a big horse and uh, you will be lost in the forest and you you do not know where you are uh, going and uh, to find out that uh, you cannot find the place really because of this thick balang and i'm just wonder is there any really a thick balang but like can you say that your brother um got carried around by the thick balang at one point my my god godfather he had he was uh, he had experienced that and that he he was really lost i had that story what uh, i heard most when in the you know uh, how true are these stories like my uh, that uh, you know half of half bodies the mananagal yeah and there in, in our town there was this woman who was who was uh, accused of uh, like that and 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 just wonder how why so uh, it transferred from one story to another and people believed and i said that is not true <laughs> not true you know they just care how can you be able to cut the body it's not true actually i am so surprised why why all the superstition that uh, mm. you know they say do not to sweep the floor when uh, you're you have somebody died in the family oh yeah i've heard of that one as um, well yeah that some because, uh, be very careful of uh, because you will be waiting for someone to die again yeah that it's a bad it's a bad omen or there's there's one as well like if you open the door and you say come in it's bad because um you'll accidentally invite spirits into your house I do not like the superstitions really. It's a lack of faith in God. But uh, because uh, people are are trying to scare scare they they like to like multo. Multo is uh, a kind that uh, they will come back after a few days uh, when they are dead. And uh, I I heard a lot about these stories because uh, I yeah I remember this uh, uncle of mine died and uh, how come that night the the it was so light uh, lighted the the house was lighted and actually who who liked that like on fire yeah there's a lot, yes. And uh, even my auntie believes in the the coming back of the dead person. She's a nun. Actually, she's a nun. And uh, why should she believe in that? Because in, in the community, in the community, Franciscan community, the, there was a there was a nun who died, and uh, and it came back by appearing at night. 